The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Page. Uh, I, I always like to start off my talks with uh, asking you guys to reflect on a question. And so um, I have a question for each of you guys, depending on where you're at. So um, number one, I want you guys to think and answer this question. Why do you believe in Christianity? Which is a pretty deep and broad question. But I just want you guys to spend a minute or two thinking about that. Now, I know that there are also people in this room who are really struggling to believe that Christianity is real. Uh, and so for you, if that's you, I want you to answer, why is it hard to agree with Christianity? So if whatever place you're at, I just want you to answer the question that pertains to you uh, and just spend a minute or two thinking about that. All right. Um, hopefully you can continue to think about that later as well. Uh, for those of you that uh, might have been answering the second question, or actually there are probably some of you that maybe are, are uh, actually I think most people in here would probably have an answer to both. Uh, like even if you are a Christian, uh, it's okay to have doubts. And actually our doubts are welcomed. And if you're not a Christian, your doubts are welcomed as well. Uh, and that I just want you guys to know that God isn't thrown off by your doubts or your questions, that he's not surprised by them. And that his response is actually kindness. Jesus is so kind to people that doubt him. Uh, and I just want to look at a passage from Do John 20 that speaks to this. So it's John 20, 24 to 27. He says, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So this is after Jesus has r had risen from the dead. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. So, it, so here we have Thomas, who's totally doubting that, that Jesus has risen from the dead, and he hasn't seen him. And Jesus' response to him is, Hey, I'm, come, come to me. I'm going to show you that I'm real. Come to me. He's welcome to have his doubts and welcome to bring his doubts to Christ. Uh, and so, yeah, today's talk is titled Logical Evangelism. Uh, and I want to help us answer the question, why we believe what we believe, and uh, helping understand why somebody else believes what they believe. But I just want to have a couple of clarifications of what I'm not going to be talking about today. Uh, I'm not really going to be talking about, especially because I don't have a ton of time, but I'm not going to be talking about how Christianity is proved outside of the Bible. Uh, I really think the Bible proves itself. Uh, I think the Bible is the most historically, historically accurate book in all of history, and it has thousands of manuscripts of the original text. Uh, but I'm not going to be spending it. But there are also a lot of ways to prove Christianity outside of the Bible, but we're going to be focusing on what Scripture has to say today. And I'm also not going to be talking about evolution versus creation. Uh, I think, I mean, Anne mentioned this last night, but I think it's totally possible for someone to be a Christian 
and not believe in a literal seven-day creation. And so I, I don't think that, um, I yeah, so I, I don't think that you have to believe in a seven-day creation in order to be a Christian. And so that's not really what I'm going to be addressing or talking about today. Uh, that would be a, a long topic for another day. So why do I think it's important, or why do we think it's important to have a talk about logical Christianity, or why it's important to, to believe in Christianity uh, as a Christian? And a, a couple of verses in Colossians, I think, speak to this. So let's look at Colossians 2.4. Paul says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So this is a verse that we're going to read in a couple days. But a word that stood out to me uh, is that um, we are easy, that the word deluded. So it's it's um, easy to be uh, deluded. Um, it's easy for someone to to say something that could be confusing, and that might be against what what a, what a Christian might believe. And uh, there are so many different belief systems in the world that uh, could even appear to be similar to Christianity, but they aren't. And so even two thousand years ago in Colossae. Uh, people were hearing things that were drawing them away from Christ. And so Paul is proclaiming Jesus because we are easily deluded when we look away from Jesus. And then a couple verses later in Colossians 2.8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so uh, even, <laughs> yeah, 2,000 years ago, I'm actually I was just in Turkey a couple weeks ago, and... Uh, it was really interesting because uh, I, I just learned so much about uh, the, the the level of philosophy and um, the study that uh, the the Turkish well actually they weren't Turks at the time the the Greeks and the Romans uh, were learning about and how how difficult it was for for Paul to be preaching the gospel in uh, what's now present day Turkey because so many people had other arguments against Christianity and why they didn't believe it and so at times it can feel like okay today. You know, now we've got so much more knowledge and wisdom that Christianity is a lot less believable. But even 2,000 years ago, there was a lot of knowledge and wisdom that made people not agree with Christianity. And so uh, I just think it's really important that uh, we acknowledge the fact that there are, there are ways that we can be easily deluded. And there is philosophy and empty deceit that can take us captive if we're not careful. And I'm just going to share briefly a story. I'm not going to mention the name of this person. But it's, it's kind of a sobering story for me. Uh, even in thinking about my life. Um, but I had a really close friend that was here at Project last summer, and uh, it was really sweet like to have him here, and uh, I just feel like he uh, was growing a lot, uh, really enjoyed being at Project. And a few months after Project, um, he started uh, not really wanting to, to talk to me as much anymore, and, and I, I didn't really know why. And then um, not that long after that, he sent me a Facebook message saying, I just can't agree with Christianity anymore. Like, I don't believe it. And, yeah, today he doesn't really want much to do with me or Christianity. And this is a guy that was at Project last summer who seemed like he was totally tracking with the gospel and totally tracking with what was being talked about here. And um, and I think that that is just, like, really scary to me because um, he he seemed like he appeared to be a Christian and he had all these doubts going on inside that he didn't feel comfortable talking about. And, and so, like I said earlier, I think um, it's totally okay to have doubts, but when we keep those hidden and we don't talk about them with other people, it's really easy to move away from Jesus when we're not talking about our doubts with other people. And so just as a little encouragement to you guys, 
I don't mean that to scare you guys or to say that if like you can lose your salvation, but if you are really, really struggling with doubt and and uh, you haven't talked about that with anyone, I would just encourage you to talk to someone about that because it's so much better to be honest than to pretend like you agree with everything and to pretend um, that you don't have doubts. In a, in a context like this, it can feel intimidating when everybody seems like uh, they believe this and they're totally on board with this. But I can, I can imagine that every single person in this room has doubts to some extent. And so I think it's really important that we're talking about that with each other. So uh, where I'm going today is all going to be based off of a passage in Colossians uh, as well, <laughs> Colossians 4, 5, and 6. And this is going to be, my, my three points are all found in this passage. So uh, Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Uh, and in this passage, I see three, three basic ideas. And he says, walk, uh, talks about walking in wisdom having our speech be gracious so that we can know how to answer each person. Uh, and and I, like I said earlier, I think in evangelism, we want to be able to answer two very important questions. We want to be able to have an answer for why we believe what we believe, and we also need to be able to understand why somebody else believes what they believe. And that's, that's the point of my talk today. So uh, number one uh, is walk wisely. So that's my first point. Uh, and I have uh, three ways that I think that can look. Because uh, Paul says making the best use of our time. And so I think that some ways that it could look to walk wisely towards those who don't agree with us is to be mindful of our actions and words. I think that uh, at times it's easy to, f easy to forget how uh, if you've communicated to someone that you're a Christian, uh, they, you, you are a representation of Jesus Christ. You're a representation of the faith of Christianity. And so uh, people are looking at you, and they're, they're looking at you to, to think, okay, what are Christians like? And you might be the only person in someone's life that is a Christian. And so uh, I think it's really important that we walk wisely by being mindful of, of our actions and our words. Second, I would say walking wisely means to engage in relationships with nonbelievers. So uh, Ollie's going to really touch on this more next week in Winsome Evangelism and what does it look like to build deep friendships with those who don't believe in Christianity. But uh, we have to be in relationships with other people. We can't just uh, have surface-level relationships and have people just observing our actions and our words. We actually have to engage in relationship with other people. Uh, and that's a way to walk wisely. Uh, and then uh, third, it's seeking out opportunities to share. And so what I mean by that is uh, if you're in a friendship or uh, you have a coworker, you, you're engaging with someone who's not a Christian, you can't just wait for an opportunity to come. Sometimes it will, but we have to actually initiate those opportunities. We have to initiate having conversations with people. Uh, and I think that's what Paul talks about when he says walking wisely, making the best use of the time. Because in in heaven, there won't be evangelism anymore. There won't be, we're not going to have the opportunity to share Jesus with people that I've never heard. And so uh, this this is something that, that it should we should be thinking about a lot and thinking about um, making the mo best use of our time. Uh, and then uh, just a, another passage that talks to this is uh, right before what I just read in Colossians in 3 and 4. And it says, uh, Paul says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, 
that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So even while Paul's in prison, he's praying for an opportunity to be able to share who Jesus is. So in, in any context that we're in, we should be looking and seeking out opportunities to share Jesus clearly. And then uh, one other passage that I thought I, I just wanted to add into my talk because we just studied it, I think, yesterday, is Colossians 1, 24 and 25, which says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. I, I think this passage, initially when I read it, I, I felt pretty confused. Like, is, he, is Paul saying that Jesus' sacrifice or Jesus uh, dying isn't enough? And that's not at all what he's saying. But Paul is saying, I rejoice in suffering for your sake because I'm a, vis a visible representation to you of what Jesus has done. So the Colossians didn't see Jesus suffer. They didn't see him die on the cross. But by seeing Paul suffering for the sake of them knowing Jesus, he's a picture to them. And so we, when we share the gospel and we're willing to uh, suffer and when we're willing to be embarrassed or be rejected, we're literally showing people what Jesus went through. We're a tangible picture of Jesus to the people that we're sharing with. And I think that that's really, that's really sweet, and I want to have a, an attitude of rejoicing in that. But I, I don't think my heart naturally goes there. I don't think my heart naturally rejoices when I'm rejected. Uh, but Paul's, Paul's saying, I rejoice in the fact that I'm in prison, and I'm going to die for, for your sake. Uh, number two uh, is speak graciously. So uh, what I mean by that is uh, asking good questions uh, listening and empathizing. And so, uh, so under my first point of asking good questions, I just have uh, four sort of directions that we want to take a conversation that are from this book called Gospel Fluency that we read as a staff team uh, in St. Cloud this last semester. But he had four questions that I think are really helpful as we're trying to engage with non-believers. We're trying to understand where are they coming from? Why do they, why do they tick? What, what makes them believe what they believe? And so the first one is, and I don't think you guys can see this, but in what do they find their identity or sense of purpose and significance? And so just to make it easier, you can write what, what's their purpose or what, what do they find significance in? And so as we're, we're engaging in a conversation with someone, we need to find out what, what is their, their sense of purpose? What, what, where do they find meaning in life? Second, uh, is what is the fundamental or who is the fundamental problem they blame for the things that are broken in their lives? So who or what is the fundamental problem they blame for the things that are broken in their lives? Because every, every single person has someone to blame, whether that's themselves or a specific person. And so in evangelism, we want to try to engage with people and find out what what is it that that has caused them pain? What is it that they think to is, the, is the one or the thing to blame for what's broken in their lives? Essentially, w what, what is sin to them? And then third, um, who or what are they looking to as their savior to rescue or deliver them? So it's specifically I say who or what because a lot of times it's not a person. It's not, it's not Jesus. It's um, some specific sin issue. It's some deep desire somebody could be looking to acceptance from people to be their savior. They could be looking to 
alcohol. Um, they could be looking looking to uh, appear their appearance. Uh, I mean, there's so many different things. Uh, but we want to try to fi figure out, okay, if somebody uh, is feeling really hurt by something that's happened in their lives, we want to find out, well, how do you I hope to be redeemed from that? Or what are you looking to rescue you from that? And then fourth, um, what is their ultimate hope for the future? And what does transformation look like for them? Because uh, for someone who doesn't believe in Christianity, uh, there is not a lot of hope. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's no hope in my p in what the Bible says. And for them, they might think, uh, well, you know, I might, I might go somewhere good. I, m I might go to heaven. They might think there's, they just die, and their only hope is in this life. But asking questions like these uh, is going to really help you understand what someone is looking for and looking to. But this all is under the umbrella of speaking graciously. Uh, I think there's a way that you could ask these questions in a really uh, judgmental way, and there's a way that you could ask these questions in a way that is just you're just trying to get your point across. But in order to speak graciously, we actually have to listen, and that's my next uh, point. If, uh, if we want to be able to bring Jesus to people in a winsome way, we've got to be able to understand where they're coming from and actually listen uh, and actually understand <laughs> what they believe and why they believe what they believe. Uh, there's a really good book called Questioning Evangelism. I'd recommend you guys all get that book. It's called Questioning Evangelism. And he really talks about the, the best and most effective evangelism is just asking a lot of questions. Uh, because eventually, uh, if you the more questions you ask, eventually somebody might ask you some questions. But if I think in an evangelistic conversation, we should really only do... 25% of the talking. I think we, we should be the majority of the time asking people about their lives. Uh, and then third is empathize. So many people have good reasons for the things they believe. I, I think at times uh, in our culture and, and having grown up uh, around Christianity for a lot of us, we, we just can't really empathize why someone wouldn't agree with us or why they wouldn't believe it. Uh, but there are really good reasons for people to not believe in Christianity, or, e or and I would even say Christianityism, because uh, a lot of people have grown up around the church and have been really hurt by the church, and and have really been hurt by people that call themselves Christian. And so uh, I think that in order to speak graciously, we have to actually empathize and step into someone's shoes, and s and say, oh yeah, like that makes sense why you believe what you do. Uh, so yeah, we have to empathize. Uh, and then uh, if you turn to the next slide, so Colossians 2.4 says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Another word that sticks out to me is a plausible argument. The, the, the arguments that people have against Christianity are plausible. Like, they are believable in a sense. They're, these aren't just, like, stupid arguments. The people have good reasons for the things that they believe. And as a Christian, we believe that we have the answer in the Bible and we believe it's right. But in order to empathize with someone, you have to think, okay, this person, based on their experience, has really good reasons for why they believe what they believe. Uh, and then my third point is uh, answer correctly. So I, I just a few clarifiers on this point. What I'm not saying is that we have to have the answer to every question because that, that could feel really intimidating and scary. And I, and I think maybe Brittany and Elisa talked about this last week or somebody talked about this, that it's much better to say I don't know than to give an answer that you don't know. And so I think that's okay. Uh, but I think that 
and also a, a, another clarifier is Paul talks about uh, walking in wisdom and speaking graciously before we know how to answer because the answer we give to someone is going to be based on what uh, they've they've tol told us about themselves and uh, we have to we have to walk wisely with them we have to speak graciously and listen before we know how to give them an answer and and honestly not that the message that we're sharing changes but we have to know the person um, in order to speak Christianity in a compelling way but I do really think that Christianity offers the most compelling worldview when comparing it to other religions uh, so uh, but but even so, it that does not negate the fact that we have to uh, understand where someone's coming from and listen to them. First uh, Corinthians thirteen two says, "Oh, is it is it not on there?" Okay, well, basically Paul talks. Does actually does anybody have First Corinthians thirteen two handy that they could just pull it up? Yeah, I think that that passage is really convicting because there is a way that we can, uh, we might have all knowledge, we might know how to communicate the gospel really clearly, but if if we don't love the person we're sharing with, then we're nothing, and so uh, I think that's we ha we can't forget that that we, these are real people that we're talking to, and uh, are, we're called to love them. So I said that I think Christianity offers the most compelling worldview when looking at other religions and other belief systems. So what makes Christianity compelling? Uh, number one, I think uh, it would be Jesus. So a, a couple uh, thoughts. So a, I don't know if any of you were there a few years ago. We did a retreat to the Kalahari Resort, uh, and the speaker, Mike Jackson, uh, shared a list of, of two, two different groups of people. And he said th th he had a list of there are uh, several people in the world throughout history that have claimed to be God, and there are several people that have been really influential leaders, but there's only one person that was on both of those lists, and who do you think it was? So Jesus not only claimed to be God, but he also has had thousands, uh, millions of followers throughout history. There's nobody else that claimed to be God that got a huge following, uh, and there's no other influential leader that has claimed to be God. So I think that that should draw, us, draw our attention to Jesus. And also the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And I say the fact because it really happened. Uh, I mean, the, the Bible talks in numerous points about people seeing Jesus interacting with him after he rose from the dead. Uh, I think there's a verse in First or Second Corinthians that talks about more than 500 people witnessed Jesus raising from the dead. And uh, the, the fact, I'm going to talk about this a little bit, and it changes the followers, but uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec, but that, that relates to the, the resurrection. Number two would be the Bible, uh, the accuracy of the Bible. Uh, the stories in the Bible don't always make uh, sense unless they were true. Like the fact that, and I, what I mean make sense is culturally, like uh, Anne talking about the way that Jesus interacted with women last night. That was not true of the culture at the time. The fact that Jesus interacted and approached a Samaritan woman that, that, as a Jewish man, like that would have never happened. Uh, the fact that Jesus didn't sh uh, shame uh, the woman who had been experiencing a discharge of blood, like she would have been viewed as so unclean. And so it, it, it's interesting because those stories don't really make, 
they don't really seem real to someone thinking historically at the time because uh, they weren't expecting a God who who would treat people like that. And so uh, I think the Bible has stories that are just really interesting culturally. Uh, and also the Bible deals with uh, intellectual questions. It deals with questions about sin and brokenness, which a, lo- a lot of other religions deal with those as well. A lot of, I mean, even atheism deals with intellectual questions and it deals with sin and brokenness. But the, the thing that the Bible offers that atheism or a belief without God doesn't offer is a me- our question about our meaning and purpose in life. Because, uh, yeah, an, an atheist could take care of uh, intellectual questions and sin and brokenness, but th- they don't have an explanation for, for why. Uh, third, Christianity is unique. There is no other religion, no other belief system in the world that talks about grace and talks about the God figure coming to the people himself. Uh, he's always out there. He's not personal. Every other belief system, system is works-based, which you guys are like, yeah, that's what we've been talking about all summer. But that that is really interesting. Like, it's totally different than any other belief system. And fourth, it changes the people who follow it. It changes the followers. Like I said, I was in Turkey a few weeks ago, and I just got to observe a lot of places that uh, the the Christians, the followers of Jesus at the time, had to risk their lives for for this. And if Jesus really didn't raise from the dead, it, it doesn't make sense that thousands of people would, would risk their lives for everything. Uh, and the people, so the people that follow Jesus, the people in this room um, that have a testimony, if you are following Jesus, you have a testimony. Your testimony is indisputable. It's, it's a miracle. And I just want to watch a little YouTube video that, that illustrates this idea. Have any of you guys seen the movie Contact? It's from the 1990s. Okay. It's pretty old, but this this clip is bring you tens of thousands of light years and then just send you home without a single shred of proof. You said that's how it's been done for billions of years? That's very neat, Doctor. You have no proof because they didn't want you to have any. A phenomenon known in psychiatric circles, I believe, is a self-reinforcing delusion. Is that what you think? That I was delusional? Well, I do think you may have suffered some kind of an episode. Yeah, I do. You're implying... That this was all some kind of a hoax, that, that he engineered this. Dr. Erway, you come to us with no evidence, no record, no artifacts. Only a story that, to put it mildly, strains credibility. Over half a trillion dollars were spent. Dozens of lives were lost. Are you really going to sit there and tell us we should just take this all 
upon faith? Please answer the question, Doctor. Is it possible that it didn't happen? Yes. As a scientist, I must concede that. I must volunteer that. Wait a minute, let me get this straight. You admit that you have absolutely no physical evidence to back up your story. Yes. You admit that you very well may have hallucinated this whole thing. Yes. You admit that if you were in our position, you would respond with exactly the same degree of incredulity and skepticism. Yes. Then why don't you simply withdraw your testimony and concede that this journey to the center of the galaxy, in fact, never took place? Because I can't. I had an experience. I can't prove it. I can't even explain it. But everything that I know as a human being, everything that I am tells me that it was real. I was given something wonderful, something that changed me forever. A vision of the universe that tells us undeniably how tiny and insignificant and how rare and precious we all are. A vision that tells us that we belong to something that is greater than ourselves, that we are not, that none of us are alone. I wish I could share that. I wish that everyone, if even for one moment, could feel that awe and humility and the hope. But... That continues to be my wish. I think that clip's really powerful. Because uh, Jodie Foster is so convinced of what she's seen, and she has no physical evidence to prove it, but she's so convinced that she's willing to make a fool of herself for the sake of what she's seen and experienced. And what we, <laughs> I mean, that is, she's talking about aliens there, but wh what we as believers have seen and experienced is, is real. Jesus is real, and there's physical evidence all over the world to show uh, who, that, who he is and what he's done. And so... I just think that's really sweet and a, a powerful example of what our response should be as Christians, that we should just be willing to, to count the cost and, and share with others what we've experienced in our stories, because every single story is a miracle. Uh, so I just want to end with one last passage as a, as a reminder for you guys. And I think somebody shared this passage at one point, at least this summer, but it's Luke 12. 11 and 12, and he says, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And I, I think that uh, logical evangelism and talking to people who have other views than us can feel like an intimidating thing because uh, we don't feel like we have all the answers. We don't know all the answers. We don't understand every other viewpoint. But as a Christian, we're promised to have the Holy Spirit with us and that he'll teach us what to say. And so I want you guys to walk away knowing this, that uh, even if you don't have all the answers, even if you don't have the right questions to ask in the moment because you feel afraid that the Holy Spirit is with you and 
and he will give you the, wor- the words to say. We just need to be willing to go and willing to share. And I'm just going to pray for us, and then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and do some training. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, today. I thank you that um, you are a powerful God who has revealed yourself in all creation and in your word. And so I pray that uh, we would just experience uh, your power today as we go on the beach. I pray that um, for the, for those of us that have doubts and questions, I pray that we would be honest about them, Lord. And I just ask that you would give us hearts that want to rejoice, uh, that want to share, even if it's painful, even if we get rejected, because we know that um, we get to show people who Jesus is. And so I pray all these things in his name. Amen. All right, take a three-minute break, and then we're going to come back together. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.